Well, hell there. Smellington. That is what some call me. <laughs> I, Dude, uh, I am so excited to talk about this movie. I know. I um. <laughs> so, for our benefit of our listeners, um, Caleb loves this movie. Um, Caleb can tell you how much he loves this movie, but Caleb loves this movie so much that I got to see it with him in theaters this past weekend, and it was my first time seeing it. And it completely blew my mind, and I love it. So, Caleb, what movie are we talking about? Tenet. Indeed. Now say it backwards. Tenet. And that's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> that's pretty much the movie right there, folks. <laughs> that's all you need to know is just it's a palindrome or, you know, forwards and backwards and things like that. Yeah. If a palindrome became an action spy thriller, that's what this movie yeah. is. Yeah. Um, globe-trotting spy thriller. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> that you that, had a great, a great that start. That extends yeah. beyond time. I don't know. Something mm. like that. Yeah. It's very meta, um, for sure. <laughs> but So before we get into discussing um, the movie, I guess we can talk about a little bit of the background and also maybe a little bit of the controversy around it right now in terms of its sure. you know, reception and, yeah. and such. So... Of course, 2020 has been a not great year for um, cinema releases. So Tenet is one of the you know few new films which has come out and I guess had some um, you know box office success, but maybe not as much as people would want. I guess is that part of the um, the conflict? You think? So this film had a lot riding on its shoulders. The um as you said, the, the film industry has been hurting and, and a lot of movies got pushed back and, Mm. um, some, some, I think don't even have a release date now. Like they're just kind of like, you know, whenever (laughs) we can, we're going to release this. But Christopher Nolan was very adamant about having a theatrical release. Um, I know that some, uh, I guess, um, what are they called? Studios released their movies on Netflix. Some of them made mm. them available through HBO or whatever, and you could spend like 20 bucks and and uh, get it for, you know, a time. And um, Christopher Nolan was adamant on having a theatrical release, and that's an opinion of his, um, and he's mm. welcome to it. I think he just felt that his work um, should be appreciated in the theatrical medium um and that's where he thought that his work would best i guess be able to deliver what he was what he was trying to give to his audiences um Mm -hmm. so a lot of you know people were like oh christopher nolan you know he's a big name director anyways and so people were like he's pushing for this theatrical release. This is what's going to bring us back to the theaters, you know, a big director and a big movie that has a lot of anticipation. Uh, this is going mm-hmm. to revitalize the, 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 um, what am I trying to say? The, uh, the theater industry, I guess. And I, th- I think one of the reasons why it didn't do as amazing as expected is because COVID lasted longer than people thought initially. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think maybe he kept pushing, like he pushed it back the release date like once or twice. 
Um, and, and so I, I think that he may have anticipated that, you know, the COVID thing would blow over and that we'd be back in the theaters, but we right. weren't. And I guess he got ants in his pants or something because he just went ahead and released it. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, it's, it's really one of the only films, the only film that really had any pipe to it that was released this year in theaters. Um, I, I, I think that is an accurate statement. Um, mm-hmm. because all of the other ones that people were looking forward to, like the James Bond movie, Black Widow, um, I'm trying to, I don't know when Wonder Woman was supposed to come out. I, I know it's yeah, I don't know either. Christmas Day. But there were, you know, quite a few movies that got pushed back, and this one um, was the only one, the only named movie that I can remember that actually came out. So, um, and I think that it was Mm. just different than what people expected, and uh, this was never going to be the movie that was going to bring people back to the theaters anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that you would need something a little more accessible and something a little more with a bit more backing to it, like a larger studio like Marvel or, you know, well, really Marvel or Disney or something like that. Yeah. Just, yeah. One of the, one of the recent big ones. Yeah. So this movie was never going to be what I guess people hoped it would be, especially given the fact that, it was the only movie that came out. Yeah. But um, I think it yes. was a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think we should definitely just focus on our thoughts on the movie. Um, there's been a, like you showed me plenty, uh, several videos of people talking about it, and you know, there's been ongoing debates in the you know subreddit threads about different <laughs> aspects of the movie. So yeah. we can't obviously cover all of those things. Um, but we both enjoyed this movie. So I think we can talk about it from that kind of common ground. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's pretty, yeah, that's all a lot of the things I had heard just in the, the, the contemporary film uh, environment that have kind of impacted the reception of this movie, um, which, you know, is, it's 2020, so just got to be ready for, for anything. But I think um, we should definitely give Christopher Nolan props as the director of this movie. Um, do you want me to jump into the IMDb stuff? Sure, yeah. Okay, so this movie, um, it says it's two and a half hours long, but it's actually 151 minutes, or that's Everywhere else I've seen says that it's two hours and 31 minutes, so I don't know what's up with that. But anyways, yeah, um, Tenet, it was finally released on September 3rd, this says. And I know that it was initially supposed to come out, I think, in July, and then it got pushed back once or twice, and I guess it finally came out September. Um, And it's still in theaters right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, since nothing else has really come out, it's been yeah. able to just sort of stay on the screens. Uh, I know that, you know, some local theaters are either offering private hostings where you can, like, mm. bring a Blu-ray disc and, 
you know, rent out a room for a hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I know that they're also playing classic retro films and, and things, I guess, to just get people in the door so that they can get some revenue. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this movie came out a few months ago. I'm not going to address the score. We can talk about that at the end. Okay. Fair enough. But, yes, uh, writer and director Christopher Nolan, and he is the only one credited as a writer mm. um, on IMDb. I don't know if you know anyone else worked on it with him, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know either, but I think we know this has been a, a brainchild of Nolan's for many years now. Um, yeah. I think he has, he has described, described it, or at least the concept. Um, I think he revealed, I was just looking at one thing a few minutes ago that there's like an Easter egg for this concept in Memento, which was like, mm-hmm. that was a long time ago um, when that yeah. movie came out back in 2000. Um, yeah. But the idea of a, a bullet catching a gun, or, or sorry, a gun, a gun, catching, a gun a catching a bullet. Yeah, bullet catching a gun would not be that impressive. It'd just be shooting a gun. Um, so yeah, he said so that the concept has been around a while and I mean, he had to have thoughts. I don't even know how long about all this stuff to make it work, but yeah, I guess some people saw, would say it didn't work. So yeah, I saw, I saw an interview with him where I believe he said it's been at least in the back of his mind for about 10 years. Yeah. Uh, this, this particular movie. And so mm. I'm glad that he finally got to make it. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll just, I'll just keep going. Uh, so the main stars are John David Washington, Denzel Washington's son. Um, you've got Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, and now I'm just going off because for some reason the cast listing on IMDb is all out of order. Like they have someone yeah. who has a bit part as the yeah. first person listed. Yeah. But I know that it has Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think that's his name. And um, he he was the guy that played Quicksilver in the Avengers movie. Oh, right. I hope I got his name right, but I don't see it on this list. And it's also got Kenneth Branagh as the villain. And I don't remember hearing anything about him being in this movie. And I remember being surprised when they finally, Mm. you know, panned and and the cameras focused on the camera focused on him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Kenneth Branagh's in this movie. (laughs) So I don't even remember hearing that he was going to be in this. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, all, all I knew is I was going to have Robert Pattinson and John David Washington. And I was like, I don't know who John David Washington is, but this is kind of cool. Like, he's kind of getting a big movie debut. Um, and I guess another one is Himesh Patel. Um, yeah, he was in Yesterday. Yeah, okay. I, that's where I looked familiar from. Um, but he was, I mean, there, and other than that, there weren't really a whole lot of, like, Title or like big, yeah. you know, characters in the was movie, in it for right? Minutes or something. Yeah, we talk, we talk about his scene, I guess. Sir um, Mouthful Crosby. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's been the joke. Um, yeah, so a lot of great acting talent, and I mean, I would just say I thought it was very well acted, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to go too behind the scenes right now with how they had to film some of the stuff to really pull it off, but these actors definitely put in a lot of work. Um, well, to, to make the movie visually what it was. Yeah, I, I've seen images of behind the scenes and watched interviews. And apparently the actors had to learn how to 
say their lines backwards for the inverted scenes, and they also had to like move backwards and um, learn the choreography backwards and things like that. And I saw a picture on Reddit actually yesterday where it showed Kenneth Branagh, and it was, um, I guess, in the middle of, of takes, and he was reading this um, cue card <laughs> that was, um, I guess, right out of the shot um, below frame. And it was like on the ground. It was in it was in the room where they had the um the first time you see a turnstile or second time I guess. When when um, it's, it's all it's all of the, them in the turnstile, like when he go, when he go, takes his wife through and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so so it was when you know they they had the two sides, the red and blue. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was a picture from that scene, and he had like a cue card, and his lines were backwards, and he had to like sort of he was studying them, um, which I think is kind of cool that they actually went through the effort of <laughs> mm. uh, learning lines backwards and, and learning choreography backwards. Yeah, for sure, and of course that's all to create the effect of when you play those scenes or that that recorded you know audio visual stuff in reverse, you get. Um, something that appears like a forward moving thing backwards, I guess, um, mm-hmm. which is what something the movie is playing a lot on with its plot and story. Um, was there anything else IMDB or background worthy that we should note now before moving on? Um, um, I guess we can, I'm, I'm curious to see actually what the movie has grossed so far. I uh, well, Okay. Um, here's one thing, the music. So Hans Zimmer did not do this movie, which was a surprise to me. And I did some digging, and it turns out that he had to basically choose between this movie or Dune. And he has gone on the record as saying that Dune was a book that he loved a lot when he was a teenager, when he was younger. And so he basically said, I'd be kicking myself if I didn't do the score for this movie. Um, and so he chose to right. do Dune over Tenet. Um, but he apparently personally recommended um, Ludwig Göransson, the guy who actually did the music for this movie. He he personally recommended him to Christopher Nolan, is what I've heard. Okay. So, and I thought, you know, the guy did a phenomenal job. I I love the score. Yeah, um, I know you were, I don't know if you wanted to talk about this particular aspect of the music later in more depth, but that the score is very closely related to the forwards and backwards interplay within the movie. Um, yes. As well. Yeah, like, uh, this, this is probably a spoiler. Well, spoilers, you know, ahead. <laughs> yes, for sure. Naturally, but... Um, I might be jumping the gun in saying this, but since we're on the topic, I, I know I noticed like my third ish viewing that every like when Neil first comes on screen and a lot of times when he's featured, there's like a the music is reversed. Um, mm. So like the very first time you meet him and he shakes hands with the protagonist, the score is in reverse at that point. There's like a sound bit that is in reverse Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like you were saying, the, the score even plays with the inversion idea and, and 
the the notes will be inverted or it'll be played backwards at certain points um depending on where we are in the story and what's going on so that's really cool yeah it's a it's a very high level of intentionality um to put into yeah. effects which you know aren't even necessarily part of the 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 story it's just the the way that the story's being told and executed so so I means there's so much, just so much intentionality went into this movie. It's just, it's hard for yeah. me to wrap my mind around all of it. And also how, um, I guess it could be such a mixed reaction just based on my gut reaction and watching it. Um, which I mean, and this gets maybe it may segue to the next part, but in thinking about how to give a synopsis for this movie, I really have no idea where to begin because well, well, really quick. I, yeah. I also want to just note a couple of more things. Well, it sure. says the cumulative worldwide gross at this point is, um, 361 million, which isn't awful considering there's a, it came out during a global pandemic. Yeah. And people are afraid to leave their homes. So that's over a quarter of a billion dollars. So, um, which it's child's play numbers compared to, you know, some more modern movies. But uh, if you just rewind the clocks back, you know, five, ten years, that would have been yeah. talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I also wanted to note that this movie was filmed on location, just about every shot you see. Mm. And, and we've talked about before that, Christopher Nolan is the king of practical effects. Like if he can do it practically, or even if he, you know, even if it isn't the most feasible thing, he still tries to do everything as practical as he can, which I think right. is just, it's for the benefit of the film. Yeah. And and in many ways, especially some of the stunts, I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that they actually did some of those things is even more mind boggling. Um, but you also see how the budget would start adding up into the hundreds of millions of dollars too. So, <laughs> yeah, it looks like the budget was a little bit over 200 million. Mm. So yeah, I guess it's, so it's done well if we're looking at, you know, just a return on investment in the same year as it's release, but mm-hmm. it's not, I guess, been a blockbuster by any uh, standard metrics we might use to evaluate movies. Yeah. Um, but those, those, that's really just the overview of what IMDb has information wise. And I kind of wish I actually am, it's in my hand right now. Today is the release day of the movie on, um, home video and, and digital, mm. um, digital streaming. And, um, I really wish that I would have slash could have watched the featurettes before having this conversation just to sort of, you know, get a little bit of more uh, info on the behind right. the scenes, yeah. um, which I will definitely tear into that <laughs> at, <laughs> at some point, maybe even tonight later. For sure. Um, but, but yeah, but I'll let you go ahead and uh, try to, I guess, summarize. <laughs> the yeah. So I think um, the, probably the best way to summarize is to follow the storyline of the main character in this film, uh, played by John David Washington, except he doesn't have a name. He is simply the protagonist. He is not referred to by name in the film, um, which makes it even more challenging to talk about him. Uh, But he is a special agent. So we open up with him going to what seems like some type of 
uh, rescue or exfiltration mission in an opera house um, in which he is getting a team member out and also recovering this artifact looking thing. Um, and they are sneaking in um, with the secret police of other people. So there's just like all covert, very like spy opening. Um, but he, his life is saved um, by, you know, someone who they don't know who it is, but of course we don't have time to think about that right now. Um, but as he escapes, by he, an inverted bullet. Yeah. Which, which we, I guess if you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. Um, but he, he sees the way in which he is saved is definitely worth noting um, because it is not normal. The, he sees the bullet come out of where it was shot to kill the person attacking him. Um, so moving forward, he is captured as he escapes, unfortunately, um, and he's interrogated and ultimately he um, takes a suicide pill and decides to end his life rather than give up his teammates. And uh, much to his surprise, he wakes up after consuming the pill to be recruited um, uh, into another even more secret organization known as Tenet or um, Perhaps he doesn't even know his organization yet. He just knows that he is into something very secretive and the word tenant is going to be the key um, to his future because there's a very more, a very much um, greater threat looming than what he has faced just as a normal special ops, uh, you know, officer person so far in his future. Um, So he goes on to kind of hunt down this whole, um, the thread of the inverted bullet, the, the bullet coming out of, its final resting place into a gun um, at, to kill someone. He chases this thread and then gets some helpful explanation from a professor who, um, you know, tries to explain the science of it. And also this helps the viewer a lot at this point in the movie, try to get a handle on seeing something move in reverse. And the explanation we get is that the objects uh, can have a reversed entropy, which is it's um, the, the, whatever it would have taken to get that object in his final resting place, that for that force in reverse is how you then get it back to its um, starting place. So very complicated. Um, of course, I was saying the synopsis, you almost have to just already know all of this stuff for it to make sense um, <laughs> as you're listening to it. Cause otherwise it just sounds like I'm just saying crazy stuff, but moving forward in the movie, um, he, the protagonist joins up with Neil played by um, Robert Pattinson as he is on this quest to trace down uh, where these bullets are coming from that are inverted and um, to maybe get a sense of where this threat is coming from. And obviously it's coming from the future and the way that something is inverted affects how it sits in time. So we are all sitting in one flow of time in which the objects around us and us ourselves have an entropy oriented in a future moving direction. But when you invert the entropy of an object, you then spin it around in time to be sitting in time, but it's moving in the opposite direction. And so the, uh, the competing streams of time then basically becomes the drama of the movie as they pursue the antagonist played by Kenneth Branagh um, named Andre Sator, um, who is trying to partner with um, people from the future in a very elaborate um, time capsule and reverse time capsule method of communication to end the world in the future by returning all of time to a past direction and rewriting history, so to speak with the future. 
um, and thereby obliterating the past um, and the future people than living over um, our current reality. So very mind-bending, very esoteric, very out there. Um, and so in order to get to this um, man who is at the center of this, Mr. Sator, they go to his wife, um, Kat, who is played by is Elizabeth Debicki, is that her name? Yes. Um, and they, so they get close to her and team up with her as they start to try to chase down their mission. Um, so through many, many events, we learn that ultimately what they're going to have to do to hone in on the um, Sator and catch him is use a method called a, they call it a, a time pincer um, in which temporal, yeah, pincer. temporal pincer in which um, people you are living in one direction. And then at the end of that event, you send people back through time, living the same events, but in reverse. Um, thus the whole filming and reverse aspect of the production of the film so that they keep li living and reliving um, in parallel um, moments, a battle or an important stream of events until they um, hopefully get the outcome they want. But uh, we learn that what happens happens and time and events are ultimately fixed um, in their results so that all they can do is basically trust in what they have already done. But in order to have already done it, they must still do it, which is one of the great paradoxes of the whole time travel concept. Um, and the climax of the movie is after chasing down um, Sator and having to give him the final component he needs to bring about this time apocalypse um, is usher in a final battle in which um, they, all of the main characters go back um, a week or more into the past in order to head him off before all of the events we have seen up to this point in the movie. And this is where it definitely gets confusing. Um, so they have a final epic battle of a, t a temporal pincer with one team moving forward from the start of the battle, another team moving backward from the end of the battle to reacquire the components while Cat um, finally ends Sator's life um, before he can trigger the future people that something has gone awry and they must redo the plan. So the protagonist um, recovers the component, but is at the expense of the same person who saves him early on in the movie. And we come to find out, of course, that this was his trusty friend, Neil, who has been living presumably a long time in the backwards direction, uh, sent from the future by the protagonist himself in order to recruit and save the protagonist um, so that this mission could be accomplished. So that was a very rough um, high-level high hitting of the major details trying to explain some of the mechanics. Um, definitely feel free to elaborate on any part I glossed over, Caleb. Um, but it was, um, it, there, there was so much going on. You really can't... Um, exp the, only, the easiest way to explain it is just to watch the movie multiple times, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you were talking about components. I think it's important to, to state that there there's a thing called an, an algorithm. Right. And yeah. It's purpose is to reverse the entropy of the world. Yeah. 
Um, like these future people can reverse the entropy of items and stream them back to the past. Um, but they they had a scientist that actually figured out how to reverse the entropy of the entire world. Um, but she was, I guess, wary of it and thought that it would destroy everyone <laughs> that's ever right. lived. And so she decided to send it back to the past. Um, she she reversed the entropy of the algorithm, which was made into physical form only, and she planted it in these nine um, nuclear hotspots so that people wouldn't go near there. And um, she offed herself. So she reversed its entropy, planted them in those places, so they're moving back in time. And so they're just at these nuclear hotspots or sites um, and she offs herself because she's the only one that knows where they are. Um, mm-hmm. So, so it's important to know that that's sort of what their their mission is. Yeah. The, the protagonist and Neil and all of them is so. Andre Sater is trying to get all of the pieces of the algorithm and assemble them and leave them for the people in the future to find. And the protagonist mission is to let him think he's done that but to actually retrieve the algorithm um, before it is sealed underneath an explosion in a nuclear hotspot. So they're trying to, um, I guess, retrieve that item before it can be trapped underground for the future to find. Right. Um, But he wants Andre Sater to think that he achieved his mission in planting it there and leaving it for the future um, so that no one is the wiser um, and no one can sort of stop and go back and invert in time and sort of keep them from doing it. Right. So it's yeah. very, and I don't even, the movie makes a hundred percent sense in my mind, but it's very hard to put into words. Yeah, it really is. Sort of, um, it's like you were saying, you just have to watch it. Um, I think that was the biggest thing that was kind of missing from your synopsis. Yeah, well, I guess um, I guess I was, I was trying to. Just... But you were talking about like components. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So and I was trying. Um, I guess I was trying to. I didn't know how to explain the whole meta narrative first without also giving away the. Um, yeah. I guess other parts of the movie. So. It is. Uh, yeah, yeah. they are part. They are part <laughs> of something much greater. Um. And so, so it's not just about you know them versus Sator. It's about the whole end of the really end of the world stakes. Um, the whole time so i mean the the mission of course is fulfilled um and it's done so i guess in a way that's bittersweet um in which each character is going to have to hide whatever component they found and kill themselves in order to prevent anyone else from ever finding it um, but that's every man's decision to make for himself right. and that's, as that, to yeah. when they off themselves. Right. And so in terms of messages of the movie and the final kind of interaction between characters, that's something that's emphasized. Um, Neil also emphasizes that what's happened has happened. Like we're talking about the past being fixed. Um, the future can change based on, I guess, actions we take now. But uh, it's up to I guess, up to people to make the best of what's art, what, what's already happened to um, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. I like his statement at the end of the movie, um, which I'm not going to talk about that just yet. I don't want to yeah. jump jump ahead. Um, there's one more thing about the synopsis and plot that I wanted to touch on is that – and one of, I guess, the motifs of this movie is kind of like sort of 
environmentalistic, mm-hmm. if that's a word. Yeah. Where, wherein the people from the future are wanting to destroy us because they are living in such a horrible situation where their oceans have risen and rivers have dried out and, and basically because people of the past didn't take care of the planet, then they are basically living in um, just a really poor situation. And so they're basically wanting to get back at us for screwing them over. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of also got a commentary on, I guess, climate change and yeah, <laughs> yeah. things of that yeah. nature and, as well. And I think we noted that similar to Interstellar where, of course, the, the conflict Interstellar mm-hmm. is they must leave Earth because Earth's no longer habitable, but they're, the search for new worlds is, has proved to be more challenging, you know, than even what it, they, how hard it should have been to start with. So I think, I think that's definitely on Nolan's mind for sure is just, you know, how people are taking care of the world. And that is definitely coming through in the movie. I mean, even like at the beginning when the protagonist is um, waiting for his, I guess, initiation back into the world after his um, fake suicide, he goes to like a wind turbine and he's like, you know, pretending to live and work in a wind turbine. I mean, that's even kind of like a, I mean, it's also really cool. It's also, you know, an environmental clean energy kind of setting image there. Um, So, yeah, I think, I think that that's definitely worth noting. Any other themes or motifs, I guess, I mean, a friendship, I think is something that runs through the movie. Um, Like we don't like you can, you can, I guess, tie that thread whenever you want to. Um, Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I think, yeah. Um, Like, um, I think the, the, Feminism? Yeah, perhaps like we have a very female badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have Cat um, um, is a woman who, uh, I mean, is I guess she takes matters into her own hands at the end and deals with mm-hmm. her um, unloving, abusive Abuser. husband. Um, but she, yeah. I mean, she puts up the fight of her life for, I mean, her child, and yeah, I mean trying to love the man who she has come to hate just for, so that they, they could all have a better life, but she's not able to. Yeah. Um, I think that was, I guess, kind of a different character trait than what we might see. And well, sometimes the, nowadays, the, the thing. So I, I'm actually stealing this from, um, gosh, what's the, I want to give credit where credit's due. It's, um, I'm just Googling it real quick. It's a video called Tenet is a Modern Masterpiece by a, um, a YouTube channel called The Thought Theater. Um, but they really were one of the ones that sort of brought me on to this concept of, of, I guess, a triumphant woman in feminism. And it's you sort of have this character who is in an abusive, loveless relationship with her husband, but she stays in it for the sake of her mm. child. And she's been given the opportunity to leave the relationship, but she has to leave her child behind. And she chooses what's best for her child in that moment. Um, and, I mean, she had a moment of doubt, but, I mean, that's – she's right, human. Yeah. You know, that's – you're a human person. Um, you obviously want to do what's best for yourself, but she actually doesn't and stays in this abusive relationship for the sake of her child. And even tries to love the monster of her husband again. Um, she She can't do that because he's a monster yeah (laughs) but uh she ends up just being dragged along throughout this entire story 
and she's just so resilient her character is and in the end she she sort of is the the things that keep her tied to her husband are taken out of the equation not her son but the he he has a hold over her right we didn't through, really mention through, that black, through blackmail that she can't really leave him yeah he he's blackmailing her and she can't leave him but that's sort of taken out of the equation and she is able to sort of overthrow her awful husband and get this sort of moment of retribution and and um it's it's just a really awesome her story is really awesome and I really like the way that this this video the the thought theater they put it as a lot of times and this might be coming from a male perspective but um a lot of times in modern movies they do push like these feministic sort of scenes and and even whole movies and things on its audiences um and they're kind of in your face about it and shove it down your throat Mm. um and and it's almost pandering and condescending and at the expense of the male gender um or at least that's how i feel watching these scenes these movies and it just watch a superhero movie and they're starting to um come more and more but i think that this movie is sort of you can see through cat through her character elizabeth debicki's character you see this very powerful resilient strong woman who just has hell thrown at her and she sort of keeps fighting back against it and ends up coming out on right. top and so this movie successfully makes me you know root for the root for the woman and sort of acknowledge her power and and sort of how strong she is but it's not in a way that makes me think that it's you know shoving it down my throat or at the expense of me yeah, a man yeah um so i thought that, that yeah was i agree too. and i think um the I, the way the movie presents it um also is she um in the in a flashback uh she recalls um seeing on the day her husband makes her you know the offer to get out and get out free and she kind of has a, a lapse and you know doubts like maybe it would be nice just to leave my son and you know go live a free life she remembers seeing a woman dive off the boat um with such freedom and you know poise and grace that she envied her and of course um what she's seeing is the future her who has come to the past doing that so she is the woman who she is ultimately looking up to um and admiring it ends up being herself um which i thought was cool you know where like mm-hmm. she she was able to become yeah. the version of herself that she want like she was envying um and who she thought was someone else so it's kind of a cool cool twist as yeah. well to, on the on that empowerment kind of theme yeah um and i guess uh, maybe this would help organize the plot a little bit um um, and uh, you you brought this up to me, Caleb. I'm not taking credit for this either, but there's this ancient artifact known or um, arrangement of letters known as the Sator Square, which um, is a bunch of interwoven palindromes with the words um, Sator, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, and Rotas. That if you um, look up the Sator Square, it's S-A-T-O-R, you see how these are arranged um, such that it's a um, they create all these words in uh, multiple directions, like forwards and backwards, up and down. It's super cool. Um, and this is kind of how Christopher Nolan, um, I guess, got the inspiration for aspects of this movie. Um, as this artifact, I think, was recovered from Pompeii. You know, Pompeii is like where they're 
uh, where Max is sent and spent time. Uh, Sator is the name of the bad guy. Arepo is the name of the um, art um, forger who, with whom we assume Cat has an affair. Uh, Tenet is the name of the spy, you know, organization mission. The opera is the place where the opening um, mission occurs. And Rotas, I think you said, was it was the name of the shipping place or the Freeport uh, company, I guess. Yeah. yeah, the Freeport in right. Um, so where Boston. yeah, where where they are first kind of us discovered the technology of inversion um, in the turnstile, and you know they're, they're trying to well, they're really they're breaking in there, I guess, just looking for clues. But um, yeah, so those those five words on the stone, Nolan also incorporates into significant places or people in the movie, um, which is just so cool that you know he's he, he's finding yeah. inspiration from so many different sources. Um, yeah, but yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about the inversion? Just, just the mechanics of inversion, I guess. Sure. I, I, I really wanted to talk about that scene that we've sort of, yeah, well, that's, I, I was kind of avoiding <laughs> um, it because I wanted to make sure we, you know, didn't get too caught up in the mechanics of stuff early on. Yeah. But I guess, I guess, the, I guess it's important to say a lot of the, a lot of the disconnects that people... First of all, having seen this movie five times, I have not come across something that I think is a disparity. Um, or I haven't come across something that just doesn't make sense right. and it's a mistake. I'm not saying that this is a perfect movie and I'm not saying that they aren't there. But a lot of the arguments I've seen, I've been able to figure out the like why what they did in the movie yeah. works. Um, but I was just going to mention, I, I, I guess if you could, you know, someone who hasn't seen it yet, who, you know, to help them better understand the movie. And I, oh, I guess what I was about to say was this doesn't matter <laughs> what I'm about to say. Like you, you can think about why does it make sense that this bullet goes in this direction or this happened? It doesn't, yeah. it really doesn't matter. And a lot of things that people get caught up in doesn't matter. Like, our friend. Yeah, we don't, don't have to name. We don't have to name. Yeah, name we friends. Saw, but... Yeah, we we went and saw the movie with another friend who said, "I didn't see a single enemy that they were shooting at in the end battle," and y you know, they may or may not have been in the shots, but the truth is, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you don't see you know a bunch of guys in black uniforms shooting back at the you know protagonists and the main characters. It, it really doesn't matter. Um, because that's, you know, it might have been for a good background shot, but that has nothing to do with the plot or what's actually going on. And and a lot of the little arguments I've seen on Reddit and just on the internet are things that really mm. do not matter. <laughs> but what I wanted to talk about, it, just to, if you are sort of getting caught up on certain things like, how did this bullet get here? Or, you know, how is it? Blah, 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 blah. I think the best scene to explain that is the scene when the professor lady at the beginning of the movie is explaining to the protagonist how yes. things are working when she talks about one bullet is like us moving forwards through time and the other is moving backwards. Its entropy is reversed. And so if you're wondering, you know, how things, how an item that has its entropy reversed is sort of going about 
it's progression. What I do is she she um records him catching a bullet that like flies up into his hand and she records that and plays it forwards and backwards mm-hmm. for him and says this is your perspective the bullet flying up into your hand but this is the bullet's perspective you dropping it and so what i do is i try to sort of visualize if something you know is happening in reverse like a bullet is flying into a gun instead of being yeah. shot out i play that scene in reverse in my mind and I'm like, okay, so from the bullet's perspective, it's being yeah. shot. And so um, I think that is just a little helpful thing if you're having trouble. That's one way to look at the things that are inverted. Just look at it from its perspective that, you know, play that scene and re- re- play that scene rewound in your head. And that might help. Yeah. You and I think after bit. talking about it, you know, after we watched the movie, we seemed settled on how it works when a person is inverted because they're experiencing, they're experiencing it like they are doing their actions forwards, I guess. Um, like they're walking, like they're moving just like they would in forwards time, but they're seeing forwards time backwards and just like forwards time is seeing um, them backwards. Um, but I think, and that's one of the things that was challenging about the bullet mechanic is that it's a, non-inverted person using an inverted object um so and that was a mechanic i guess that i think i think it works in the movie i don't think there's error i think that's just one and only having watched the movie once that's something i have not yet wrapped my mind around um is how is how just exactly that works and especially with um at the beginning neil using an inverted gun to shoot um the person that was about to kill the person. Really right, yeah, shooting the bullet. yeah. It might not true. Yeah, shooting the inverted, inverted bullet. Um, that was there. So it's yeah, it's super super mind. I think your explanation is very helpful though. Where just like they were doing things uh, in the filming, they were filming forwards and backwards in your mind. If you can play uh, scenes or moments forward and backwards, I think it does help make sense a little bit of what they're going for with stuff, which just creates so much yeah. continuity, like. When, when you're seeing a fight scene happen um, from the perspective of forwards moving time at one point in the movie, and then you watch that same fight scene in, in backwards moving time later on in the movie. Um, it's just so impressive. That's like, Oh, like kind of starting to kind of yeah. make sense. Like now we're seeing what looked backwards the first time look forwards and what looked um, back. Yeah. Forwards the first time look backwards. Uh, so yeah, it's just completely what would that person call Christopher Nolan is like Dr. Brain squeeze or something like that. Uh, professor brain squeeze yeah, i don't know um, yeah professor brain yeah, squeeze or something that, like that it really it really kind of feels like that at times um, where it's just like what is happening yeah um but yeah i'd be going off of that i you're specifically talking about the fight scene that takes place at the floor right yes Oslo. specifically <laughs> um and i think that it would be we talked about it would be very interesting to now that i own you know it on like I can watch it whenever I want to. It'd be interesting to find a way to play that scene reversed and see if the choreography is the same right. forwards and backwards. Which I'm sure that it's at least close because I wouldn't think that Christopher Nolan he's the kind of person that is very meticulous and he, he looks at all the tiny little details that yeah. he would never think about. And so I'm I'm sure 
that if you did play it in reverse, you know, there's obviously different perspectives and camera angles. But if you played it in reverse, I'm pretty sure that it would probably mimic the fight that you see the first time through when it's, you know, not inverted. Yeah, or yeah, whatever. yeah. I think I, I, <laughs> I think that's an interesting hypothesis, and um, I look forward to either hearing you test that or getting to test that with you at some point. Um, yeah, maybe I'll wait, <laughs> wait for you to sort of do yeah. that experiment. But um, yeah, I, I, I really, I feel like we could talk about this movie forever. And I mean, I feel like it's, it's going oh, to um, be a movie, hopefully <laughs> that is continue to be talked about because Christopher Nolan really just does something artistically unique um, in telling a, a, the time, the kind of story, you know, that takes more than one viewing to probably process um, fully and appreciate all its value of. Um, yeah. Well, he is, in my opinion, I have to say, in my opinion, um, to a lot of things, and it's really hard for me to do that because I just, I don't know how there's arguments against this, but, you know, everyone thinks differently. But I think that he is the most creative person in film. Like, he does every movie he does is something we've never seen before. Like there might be aspects that are similar, like interstellar was a space movie, but we've never seen that space movie. Um, and, and he's just so creative. Um, and no one else is really doing what he's doing. And it, it's very inspiring as a person who tries to create Mm -hmm. personally, it's very inspiring to look at his works and be like, I I want, you know, to make something that is new yeah. like he does. And and um I think in a world where everything that is announced is a spin-off, a, a sequel, a prequel, a remake, it is just very refreshing to live in the world at the same time as Christopher yeah, Nolan. Yeah, I know. Because like like just you know, this past week I guess Disney announced a bunch of new shows and movies, and there's nothing new. It's all prequels, sequels, remakes, yeah. spinoffs, just n- mm. but nothing new. And it's very disappointing to me, which is why I love this movie. Um, and and also I guess you know it, it it's received a lot of criticism, but the one of the arguments that the the thought theater. <laughs> one of the um, arguments that they had was we should support this movie, whether or not we completely understand it or, you know, whatever, just for the sake of art, because this movie is, is one of a kind. Uh, There are other spy thrillers. There are other movies that, you know, tackle the, Mm. the issue of time, but this is the only movie that is like itself. I think that, that was very well said. And that probably, give some background too for however you're going to end up evaluating and measuring uh, <laughs> the movie. And I mean, uh, it's just, yeah. Like I really, I know you've had the benefit of watching the movie five times before this conversation. Um, so I'm also soaking up the words you're saying, trying to process my experience of the movie. And I'd probably encourage whoever does, if you do watch this movie or if you have watched this movie, um, try to talk about it with other people. Cause I think that's part of the point is to like, just um, see if you can hammer it out like together um, and, and like reflect on it and yeah. enjoy it. Um, not just as an individual, but also as like a, you know, 
in a friendship, which is like we said, one of the big themes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I, I think a cool thing to do right now is to maybe some address some of the criticisms that I've seen um, that sort of go along with what mm-hmm. we're saying right now. But there's been criticisms of, you know, this movie is too confusing or this, this movie, it, you shouldn't have to see a movie, you know, two, three, four, five times to, to understand it. And so this movie is, I wouldn't say confusing. I would say yeah. dense. This movie has a lot of information and every conversation matters. Every scene is expository. There's no fluff. Which you can feel, yeah, you can feel however you want to mm. about that. Um, I, I've seen, so, you know who, um, is it Jeremy Johns? Oh, I'm is not that sure. His name? There, there is a, like, film reviewer on YouTube, um, and I watched his review, and it was just like a little five-minute, five-minute review. Yeah, it's Jeremy Johns, and he said that the first, you know, half of the movie was very kind of tripping over itself to get to the more creative fun stuff in the last you know Mm. half hour to hour um so there is a lot of exposition and explaining to you a lot of things so that the end pays off and so you can feel however you want to about that you know some people might be like you know the first hour and a half of this movie was really just you know it felt like i had to do a lot of homework (laughs) for the for the you know, mm. test at the end, which really is a Christopher Nolan movie. If we're being honest, like he, he has these, you know, most of his movies are dense, not as dense as this movie. This is the most dense yeah. movie he's made. Um, I think that's a mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. But at the same time to, to, acknowledge, to acknowledge that criticism, I guess but, in the other way is that I, I think they do a sufficient job of explaining how the movie's working within the movie. However, we both noted that at yeah. some time, at some points in the movie, that the mixing of voices to um, music and other things was not great, and we could just couldn't understand what certain characters were saying at um, at important times. Yes. So that yeah, and that is a valid complaint. Um, I think that that is definitely a valid thing to say. Like, what what are they saying at this point? And I, I will say, having seen the movie five times, this last time I went to see it, I had no issue understanding what they were saying. And it's probably because I knew right. what they were going <laughs> to say. <laughs> but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to put myself mm-hmm. into the first viewing because I feel like if you're lost, I don't want to blame the viewer but I think that all the information is there yeah. and audible. Um, having seen it as many times as I have, I think you just cannot wander astray, or else you will get lost and caught. Right, in, and I think I think because he, he presents each new idea in a way that makes sense. So you see an inverted bullet happen, and then you get an explanation of how inverted bullets work. Um, you see um, inver- an inverted person come through a turnstile. And then you learn how the turnstile works, and then you you see them all go through a turnstile for the you know the last hour and see the crazy stuff happen. So there is a, like a progression. Um, like I don't feel like they're throwing the viewer into the deep end from the very beginning. Like, I think that they are kind of a, the story does accommodate the first time viewer, 
but it it is it is still just hard thinking outside of linear time is yeah. that's not something that we are challenged to do very often as people um who live who live in linear time so it's i, I understand <laughs> i also understand the criticism but i think for what the movie is doing i think they do a good job to try and explain it yeah and um it's funny too when you said the thing about thinking in linear time is I was just thinking about how this movie basically speaks directly right. to the audience at times. Like at the very, like before the final battle in, um, Stalsk, mm-hmm. Stalsk 12, the, the Aaron um, Johnson Taylor's character Ives, he says, if you, if you can't stop thinking in linear terms, then don't even bother getting <laughs> on this helicopter. And he was like, you know, just, you've got to sort of, you know, step out of what you know and what you think to be true and just sort of, you know, go with this new thing that they're showing you. And so there, there are, and there are other times I can't conjure them up at this moment, but there are other times when I feel like Christopher Nolan through the, the script is, you know, basically talking straight to the audience. Like, you know, this is for you. Right. So that you understand. I mean, all the times when the protagonist <laughs> is learning something, it's also for the benefit of us or like, um, Michael Caine's yeah. you know, speech, I think was also supposed to be helpful for us, but we just couldn't understand, you know, he had a mouthful <laughs> of food the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Which is even great food, you know, hard to, hard to blame the guy. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So but, I guess that was one of the big criticisms was just the, I, it was, Yeah. Yeah, and uh, our our pal that was talking about who had the other sort of comment about I didn't see the people they were fighting in the end battle. Um, he also, I think that he was he he is of the opinion that a movie that needs to be watched more than once to fully like get um, is what's the he he. He used a certain word, but it's not the right word. But th- I-, I think that he just, you know, thinks that this movie is yeah. a bit inaccessible. And you should be able to see the movie. A-, a good movie should be able to, you know, deliver all the information it has in one go. Um, I disagree with that. But I-, I think this movie is to get you thinking. Um, and... That's one of the great things about it is it makes you think and then you need to see it again. And it's, it's a movie that is made to be mm-hmm. rewatched. And if you're not into that, then that is completely fine. And I think that's a valid thing. There are definitely tons of other great movies that you can watch that aren't like that. Or, you know, if this movie makes you think. And so if you don't want a, a movie that sort of challenges you and tugs at your brain and, and you want it to sort of do the thinking, you know, for you and you kind of just mm-hmm. are on this ride, then definitely there are other options and, and they might be better for you. Um, but I think the, one of the reasons I love this movie is because it's kind of like a puzzle and you've got to think about things and rewatch it and, you know, just try to come at it from different angles and gather up all the information you can to sort of, put that puzzle together and get the big picture. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I also like this movie, but I do, I do agree that um, you do have to invest yourself a bit into it. And it, and if 
you know, that's a big commitment for you, then this might not yeah. be the and I think that's fair. You. I mean, not everyone has to like every movie, you know, the same the same way or for the same reasons. Yeah. But I think in looking at what the artist, you know, what the director, what the actors are doing and putting into it, um, and that if their goal is to create the type of movie, um, which is a little mind bending and, um, you know, forcing you to think about the world in a different way. And I think you should take that into account in your evaluation and be like, you know what? They did that very well. I just didn't like it. Or, um, or like, wow, that was exactly what I was like hoping it would be. I don't understand it all, but man, like that was still incredible. Um, yeah. And that's sort of the same thing about supporting this movie just for the artistic value is, you know, even if you don't like this movie, I think that one should appreciate what it attempts to do and I think what it achieves in doing. But, you know, we won't... People like me who want to be stretched, we will not get more movies like this if these movies yeah. don't do yeah. well. <laughs> so... I think that's that's what that one YouTube video, the Thought Theater, what they're saying is we should support people like Christopher Nolan who have these crazy mind bending ideas um, just so that, you know, we have that option in the future. Because if movies like this do poorly and then it could discourage the people making them. And I, for one, think that the film industry is saturated with a bunch of contentless movies yeah. <laughs> um, that are mostly there for just entertainment value. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's me that I might be coming off a little strong when I say that. And I tried to say that in the most respectful yeah. way, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, just, just some extra thoughts that I had. Um, yeah. I mean, we also say all these things knowing, you know, what do we know? We're not film producers and <laughs> directors and actors, but we love movies. So yeah. we can, we can speak uh, from that perspective. <laughs> and like you're saying for the type of movie we want yeah. to continue to come out, I think we both love more movies like Tenet to be made. Yes. Um, and then, and then one more criticism that I wanted to sort of, and this doesn't have mm -hmm. to be more than like a minute, but um, it's it's that there is no substance to mm -hmm. the characters, which I think in what we said about Cat earlier yeah. proves that to be wrong. <laughs> but but um, you know that there is talk that you didn't even name the main character; you called <laughs> him the protagonist. So, um, but that's I think that is to serve the film more so than just because Christopher Nolan was too lazy or unable to come up with a name for his protagonist. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's a, he's an intelligence agent and he, you know, is supposed to be a ghost and he works for this ghost organization that is working behind the scenes to basically save the world. Yeah. And, you know, like you were saying the, yeah, the point of the movie is not, that not really this guy has a name. Like you don't want to get hung up on something that's not, yeah. The main point. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, but even like the relationship between Neil and John, 
I think is is beautiful. And there's a lot of stuff that you have to, I think, yeah. fill in the gaps in your mind, which is part of the thinking thing. Like I've heard a few people who I've talked to and seen this movie with, or just even on subreddits where they're talking about there has to be a sequel or a prequel. Mm. Well, no, that that would be horrible. For one, Christopher Nolan doesn't do sequels or prequels. I mean, he did the Batman trilogy, but aside from that, he has never done a sequel or prequel, right. and I don't think he will. And I don't think that there needs to be, because that sort of... You may want more explanation, yeah. but trust me, you don't. Yeah, it would tarnish, it would tarnish what this movie does. It would probably insult you as the viewer, because it'd be telling you, you don't have what it takes to infer information about their relationship and import that into this movie. So because you can't do that, we're just going to have to make yeah. another two hour movie showing you their friendship from a different angle so that you can appreciate the first movie. And I don't think I, 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 I believe in the capacity of the viewer more than needing a sequel or a prequel to get that um, impact. Cause you can just think about it's like, man, like, yes, what if my friendship with some with a lifelong friend was just beginning again? Or like, you know, what I wonder what it what it, I wonder what what they went through like to get to this point. You could just like imagine, you know, and like you reflect on the events in the movie in that light where it's like, oh, so like he saved him when he was still a stranger to the protagonist, Neil saved him. Um because, you know, he was sent to do it and he was like his best friend. Uh and you know, like the so earlier events take on even greater significance in light of what the movie later reveals about them um and even like cat's admiration for what it turned out to be herself you know like that's a pretty substantial moment in the movie i feel like that it's you to kind of put the yeah uh i think you've said this before i don't remember about what but sometimes it's just what you um what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it so if you don't want to put the time into thinking about some of this stuff then the relationships might seem kind of shallow and you know not like they're really have any meaningful emotional connections, but I don't think that was, I think it would have been more insulting to show all of that. Um, and it would take taken away from the important, you know, just the action and the suspense of everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at you, psycho. Yeah. The... <laughs> I mean, it's kind of different, but also, we talked about it, that movie, the last five minutes is them telling us right, yeah. what happened in the movie and, you know, why it's important and why it matters and stuff like that, which is, yeah. it, it was insulting to me because <laughs> I think that the movie would have been near perfect if they would have just ended it with, you know, Norman Bates, character looking into the camera without that whole psychologist yeah. breaking things down for us. Um, I think, yeah, I agree. And I mean, people are probably going to continue to find criticisms um, of this movie. And I guess we also, we are probably going to find ways to respond to them because of our bias in our appreciation of the movie as well. Um, So do you you feel ready to move towards an evaluation or um, more, more still to say? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I can't think of, yeah what to say next um there are i could talk about this movie until you know i'm supposed (laughs) to clock in for work tomorrow 
Um, you know, I, I have seen this five times, and I have a lot of thoughts on this movie. But I think we, I think just sort of addressing some of the criticisms that I've seen and sort of, you know, giving our take on them, I think that accomplished a lot of what, you know, mm-hmm. I think is valuable to me. Um, I mean, we could sit here and break down the pr- plot a bit more, but I think, you know, just telling our <laughs> listeners to watch the movie is, is enough. And you'll get all of that information in there. I think sort of just addressing, you know, some of those criticisms and sort of giving our take on them, our perspective. I think that um, definitely was, was something I wanted to do. And I think we, yeah. And I I know I've benefited from listening to you. So I hope anyone who's listened, uh, listened to me stumble through the synopsis just appreciates what I was trying to do. (laughs) Even if I didn't say it the best way possible. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I, th- I think it was a very hard job, and I think that you gave it <laughs> a good go. Yeah, I, I, that was yeah, yeah. that was just impro- <laughs> improvised based on the the first viewing. I, I I was thinking, yeah, I was I was thinking as you were breaking it down, and this is nothing against you, but I was thinking <laughs> yeah. maybe I should have given synopsis. Yeah, you you, the you have the PhD, times, I have but... I have the um the associates, yeah, the bachelors. <laughs> Uh, halfway through degree. the bachelor's degree. <laughs> <associates>. so, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think <laughs> you're only halfway there. Yeah. Seth. Well, since you're the, you the veteran the on this movie, <laughs> would you prefer me to go first or would you like to, to lead the way? So, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. You already know what I'm going to say. So I guess in your mind, do you think it's best to leave people with your perspective i think yours would be good Um, for the final word yeah okay well Um, i'll let you take the. so i loved this movie um i loved how it was clever um it would had a complexity to uh the physics of time and how um the story that it's able to tell through time and through the same time in the opposite direction and making it all connect and come together was fantastic. Um, I really admire the creativity around um, the Sator stone and how no one's pulling from different things for inspiration. Um, climaxing of course, in the, the 10 minute battle at the end, which 10 from both ends of the battles so of 10 and 10 tenant. Um, you pointed that out, Caleb was just, so many little things that you can always come, you'll, you'll be able to come back to and um, on subsequent viewings and probably not have seen before that. I just, I just, I'm blown away um, by that level of care and, and detail. Um, I really enjoyed the characters and, and the performances and uh, the action and the stunts. I mean, we didn't even get to talk about those in depth, but what they went through to get those, some of those practical effects um, in the choreography and in the, driving planes through buildings and stuff is just um, completely next level uh, in terms of like commitment to telling a good story and, yeah. and making it a visual and auditory, you know, experience. Um, I was just thinking about it. If this was a book you read, it would, I don't know how you'd make it as interesting of a book because how do you describe, you know, something moving backwards with words? It's really something you have to see um, to get the effect. And I really liked what I saw. Um, I honestly can't think of a movie 
that I have a greater appreciation for. Um, and the only other ones that are close are probably the ones that Mr. Nolan has come out with in, in past years. Um, so I feel pretty good about giving this movie a 10 in, in my book, um, just as the best of everything I would want in a movie, um, delivering the, the suspense and the action, uh, the thrill, the plot kind of twists, um, the depth, just all, all of the above. And I mean, I could, like you, I could, I wouldn't be able to say as much, but I could talk about this movie for, for a long time. So I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. Um, you, you started to, we, we did forget to touch about, I mean, we mentioned the practical effects and stuff, but we did forget to talk about, like I've seen interviews where John David Washington said he actually, you know, bunched and <laughs> threw his body up a building and then jumped off that building attached to the bun. Like he actually yeah. did that. So, and, and he used to be, you know, a, a professional football player. And so uh, he has, you know, this athleticism to him. And so he's able to do that. And they definitely took full advantage of, you know, his athleticism. Mm-hmm. So that's insane. But yeah, I don't, I'm not going to, take too much time here i i just i want to echo everything you said and i i think i've said a lot of it before throughout this episode but i just really appreciate the way that it tugs at my brain and makes me sort of think about some things and infer things and and sort of you know twist and turn events so that you know i can kind of get the full picture and i like the way it's delivered um i think all of the information is there you've just got to you know, piece it together, and if you don't get it completely the first time, just watch it again. Um, there, there were some like Facebook groups I was a part of momentarily, <laughs> but they began frustrating me, <laughs> so I left. But, but people would, you know, give their take on the movie, and I would just yeah. comment, watch it again. Like, <laughs> like if they're if the people who were heavily critiquing of this movie or critic criticizing it, I, I would just tell them to watch it again. Um, which I think is, you know, something to say that there's a rewatch value. There is value to the rewatchability of this movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super rewatchable, super, like I saw it in theaters Mm -hmm. five times for goodness sakes. (laughs) Um, and I wouldn't just throw away money like that. I'm, I'm saving up money right now to (laughs) purchase a home. So (laughs) I wouldn't go see a movie five times if it wasn't worth it to me. But, uh, yeah, super creative. I have nothing but an utmost uh, respect, admiration, and a bit of a, you know, I guess crush on Christopher Nolan. Because he always knocks it out of the park, and this movie is, is um, it does that as well. It, it does not fall short. Uh, so, yeah, like you were saying, practical effects are amazing. It's, it's filmed beautifully. The performances are awesome. So I'm not going to say any more about that. Um, I'll just jump to the chase. Uh, or cut to the chase. This is, for me, the best film I've ever seen. And that, like, I've, mm-hmm. I've you know, me and you even sat after we watched this movie and sort of were talking yeah, about the yeah. top ten lists or, you know, trying to figure out where this would land. And easily for me, number one, um, you know, the, the and it's funny, like, kind of like what you were saying, the movies that were contending for the number one spot were also made by Christopher <laughs> Nolan. So 
I think that also says something about him. I personally think he's the best director to ever do it, mm. to ever be in this game. But, um, yeah, this is the best movie that I've ever seen. Um, and I just, I cannot wait to see his next thing. Um, if you want me to give you a score, um, I've often told you, maybe not in this podcast or on this podcast, but in at least real life, I, I would be hard pressed to give something a 10 just because I don't know if there is perfection in this world. Um, but I guess <laughs> if you kind of prorate things, like if you're like, well, you know, what would be, what would be a 10, you know, if, if we had to give a mm-hmm. base, you know, movie, like what is your idea of a 10 and then, you know, compare everything else to that when you're scoring, then this movie would be, you know, the one to compare wow. everything to. This is a 10 for me. I didn't, I didn't think I'd ever hear um, you say that, that you, yeah. uh, cause you, you had said like, yeah, it's like nine, nine and a half, you know, <laughs> and like, what, uh, yeah, I, I actually, when we were speaking in person, I said, you know, nine, nine and a half, just because I was, um, you know, the argument that uh, I don't know what perfection is or if I've seen it. Um, and, and this movie probably isn't a perfect one. I, you know, you would have to fight me to <laughs> convince me that it's not. But <laughs> um, I, I do think that as close to perfection as one can get. Yeah this movie yeah. does so we both give it a so. 10 out of 10 that was that was my bad pun of the day so <laughs> well i mean right. ten so you really ten have to together is tenant so <laughs> maybe christopher nolan was subliminally yeah. subliminally saying you know if two dudes who had a podcast were going to rank rate this yeah give it a score take that rotten tomatoes tens, you know yeah, well, yeah, this movie, you know, it's 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 getting some pushback. On IMDb, it has a 7.6, which is funny because that's one of the lowest scores for a Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan movie. It might be the lowest, <laughs> which I think is criminal. Um, but, you know, we live in a world where people have yep. opinions, and I guess I have to respect that. <laughs> But, I, but but as I was saying, you know, we addressed some of the criticisms, but also watch yeah. it again. Just yeah. watch it again. You know, if you're not sold, watch it again. And if you watch it again, yeah. you're still not sold. And that was the experience again. of one of our friends who said <laughs> he did not, you know, understand the first time. But upon the second time, it was just so much better. Um, so there there is yeah. hope yet. Even though what has happened, happened. Que sera, sera. Um, yeah. I think also too, mm-hmm. just last minute remarks. What has happened, what's happened, happened. That's important mm-hmm. to remember when you're watching this movie. Uh, I, I saw on sub on some subreddits, people were like, but couldn't blah, blah, blah just happen? It's like, no, because what's happened has happened. Like y- you could say, well, in theory this, but no, because that, yeah. that's not what happened. <laughs> so you and also, this is not a movie about time travel. This is about time inversion, which, you know, maybe, you know, similar. You know, you're transcending time and sort of moving in a direction that one typically cannot. Yeah. But it, you're not, not suddenly appearing movie. on a different part of the highway at the same moment you left. You're just turning around to go in the opposite direction, you know, at the next exit. So that's really, yeah. it is different. Um, 
Well, I think that's probably about all for us. So we um, we alluded to Tennant uh, in our last Thunderball podcast. We would still love to see Robert Pattinson as Bond someday, but you know they they're not going to listen to our casting calls. <laughs> um, but we look forward to what's next for us. Yes, um, I think we know yeah. what the next movie is, um, but. Take that. that All right. Well, um, Caleb, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for all for listening. um, And I hope that you have been enlightened and um, maybe challenged to think um, by listening to me and Caleb's discussion. Yes. And um, this is the end of what's been a very beautiful podcast episode. And we will see you at the beginning of the next one. (laughs) <laughs> Nothing else. Way to way to way to way to end it. <laughs>